So today, Christina, we're going to talk about. I I think that. Hey guys. Hi. Hey. Hey. Hi. Sorry. What do you want to eat? What do you want to eat? Uh, it's ten in the morning. Yeah. Well, let me. What cuisine do you want? Because it's going to take some time. <laughs> <laughs> do you want? What do you want? I'm not used to thinking about lunch at ten in the morning. But uh, Miss, uh, I I don't know. Maybe like. I guess I'm feeling I'm feeling in the mood for Thai. Are you? I yeah. don't know. I don't know. I yeah, was thinking I just, maybe some sandwiches. I just want everyone to be happy. So just tell me you want sandwiches. <laughs> okay, um, like a Thai sandwich. Fine, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll try. I'll try. <laughs> Thank you so much. That was uh, Nandita Gupta, our production mommy. Actually, that is a question that women have to ask all of the time. Which is what is it that you want to eat? How many times have you been asked that at early in the morning or at lunch? You're asked it about dinner. Oh my god, that's actually possibly the most asked question to me about what I want to eat. Right, and you know what's terrible is I feel like I'm guilty of being and like sometimes I can be like, oh, why are you asking me now? But really, it's like that person is just trying to. Right, whether it's your mom or your mom-in-law or your, you know, partner, yeah. um, just trying to actually understand, like, how can I feed you? Yeah, I mean, and I mean, a culture like ours, especially where like food is a sign of love, you know, <laughs> where like the the fatter you are, the more well-fed you are, the better family <laughs> that you come from, right? So oh I, my god, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's also, I, I, you know, what actually what throws me off is. The almost vicious reaction sometimes I get. My mom asks me too much about what I want to eat. Why don't you just cook something yourself, mom? So Amrish and I every other Sunday we go over to my in-laws' house yeah. for lunch. Yeah. And I get the question of what we want to eat several days before, and yeah. there's always an urgency to it. Like, what is it that you want to have? <laughs> and the thing is that no matter what, my mom-in-law will ask, and then someone will always be bitching about it. Yeah. You know, someone will always be complaining about it. And the thing is that. I can imagine, like, there's also this. No matter what you do, you're kind of fucked. Like, if you make one thing, someone will like it, someone won't like it. Yeah, dude. The anxiety of that decision. We didn't make Nandita's job easy either. No. When she came, I was like, Thai sandwiches, and she's like, Go to hell! I just need. I have work to do. Like, I don't have time for your Thai sandwiches. Yeah, and you know, I think one of the things that we don't realize or appreciate. Is all of these things, all of these decisions that have to happen in the background at home yeah. that women are taking on, whether it's like, what is it that you want to eat? You know, where is you know, where are my socks? Where is my blue jumper? <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, someone someone didn't put my pants in the dry cleaner, and now they come out six sizes too small. Like yeah. this is a huge amount of management and work that is going on in the background. Yeah. And actually, decision making is work, right? I mean, that's why we have uh, our famous Steve Jobs, uh, where he's like, "Oh, I will, you know, I wear the same clothes all the time because I don't, I want to make one less decision in the day." Yeah. Or uh, Mark Zuckerberg, who wears the same clothes all the time because uh, fascism doesn't uh, pay for a good enough wardrobe. <laughs> you know, I do that though. I actually. So here's the thing: I have one shirt that I've made in nine different prints. What? I'm not kidding you, and it is like my work shirt. 
Oh my god, that's hilarious! That's hilarious. Like uh, I'm not wearing it today, but but I've worn it the other days, and I just make the same shirt in different prints so that I eliminate that decision. Yeah, that they're not they're not stressed about like oh my god, what do I wear? What's what's it gonna? And especially with women, like the clothes that you wear, it projects so much more than just covering your body. Then it's like, are you professional? What you know? How do you want the male gaze to settle on you for the day? Is what you are literally making a decision for every time you put on clothes. Well, and you must have to face that because you're on stage oh my god you know I spent so much of my career and too much of my career thinking about this where I would panic about putting on a dress on stage because I was like oh my god you know the, the stages are normally higher and the audiences are lower like the just in terms of seat uh, in terms of like height and so I would worry that if I wore a skirt and if I went too close that people would be able to see up my skirt and that you know what people would be like oh she's you know she thinks she's not good enough at her job and that's why she wants to put on this really like prissy skirt and show up so that people um like you know you know laugh at her stuff or find her attractive you know and it was a lot of time and energy wasted that could have gone into like me preparing to just be better and funnier and smarter on stage now we have to think about that like in terms of what if you're doing that across the family right where you have to calculate um time for everyone's you know anxiety things that need to get done people that need care for people that the management of transportation clothes laundry yeah. you know all of this is a huge amount of time and then to keep everyone happy simultaneously and to keep everybody like, happy does, you know out of and i mean especially in india right we have large families and um you know everyone with i mean three people want bhindi seven people want aloo and two people want you know uh, salad yeah and so and who wants what and how do they want it to taste will they eat it when it comes out? oh my god this one doesn't like it like this yeah. this one likes that one yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah and then the the amount the diversity of dishes is like a mark of of your love and effort <laughs> yeah that you're supposed to that oh my god yeah, yeah 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 and you know what especially now i feel like there's this whole like like especially with this wave of feminism where we're supposed to have it all yeah where like i can prepare a seven course meal you know catering to everyone's individual taste buds uh where and i can also have this like you know be the ceo of a company yeah. at the same time and the pressure of it then you're doing and it's literally then holding two full time jobs at yeah. the same time yeah it's totally true and i think women women more and more have that pressure to to do both of those things the unpaid care work at home and then also build this amazing career outside of the yeah. home and where is how do you even manage that time where is that time Yeah what where like how how does a how does a woman spend 24 hours with two jobs and then what does she do in her leisure time like does she have leisure time how does she spend it um you know what is the economic value by the way i'm like i keep thinking about if we had to start calculating in the all the time that women spend in you know um sort of like cleaning the house you know making sure that the house is ready for the next day or the people that have to go to work the next day are ready for the next day in a wholesome complete productive manner yeah that, like if we had to start calculating that stuff in in india i think our gdp would fly through the roof <laughs> <laughs> you know one way one way that we can assign some kind of value to it yeah. you know it's not definitive but yeah. um for every woman that takes a job outside of the home she creates 1.8 jobs at home So Whoa. that means if if you are working outside of the home and then you employ say someone to help take care of the house or do the you know the cooking things like that you are creating 1.8 jobs. 
Now that's not a perfect, you know, because there's a lot of things that cal- you know go into yeah. that. But um, because it's a point two of a person unaccounted for. <laughs> in that, in that but no, but it's one way of looking at. Does that mean that when she's at home, she's doing one point eight jobs? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So is that she's living a one one point eight pers- like times the life. That everybody else is leading <laughs> in the same twenty four hours. Yeah. Well, and even this idea of looking at that all of that work that goes into the background of keeping everybody happy and healthy and safe and clean, even thinking about that as work is a, like a revolutionary new idea. You yeah. know that that is unpaid work, yeah. and then there's other work. Yeah. And today we have someone who will be a brilliant woman to be able to talk to us about this. Ooh, who do we have today, Christina? We have the brilliant Rita Duan, and she was the first ever director of the Department of Economics at the University of Mumbai. Uh, she has uh, written over a hundred publications, including twenty books, and she is now the president of the Indian Society of Labor Economics. I wonder what a day in her life looks like. <laughs> <laughs> One correction to the introduction that we did on uh, Ms. Devan is that. Uh, uh, it is not twenty books. It is forty books. No, no. thirty-seven. Thirty-seven. So, uh, thirty-seven. She wrote the remaining seventeen when we went inside to get her from yeah. her, <laughs> from the outside so, into the studio. So basically, if we're gonna release the podcast in the next three weeks, so mm-hmm. if you could just roll out three more books, then we can make it oh, an even then, forty. Forty. <laughs> <laughs> So our, our, the the sort of the thesis of our proj- uh, our podcast is that you know women Paid are falling un- out of the workforce. The amount of unpaid work that women do does affect their ability to join or stay in the workforce. Do you think that's true or not? Partly true, because okay. that is one aspect, and the other aspect is uh, I'll explain the thing of uh, unpaid and how it constrains uh, women. The other aspect is a total lack of availability of work. You just go to villages and and you find women sitting and asking you, please give us some work. There is no work available. I think there's enough national data yeah. and international data to show that, in fact, even data has become an issue for us to yeah. work on this because it's like it's locked up. Yeah, it's, mm. I call data the new urban naxal. <laughs> you know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's proving it's, too many wrong things. Yeah, it's just proving Europe. wrong. It's locked up. It questions. Yeah. So you just put it like you put urban nuxels in jail and file cases on them. Yeah. You do the same thing. You just question the away. methodology and you put them, you know, in the back burner and don't let them get out the information. So what we really have is 11-12 information data. Yeah. 2011-12. And... Very happily, a bit of leaked data of twenty seventeen and eighteen. How is it? Which leaked? was uh, some of our wonderful journalists, <laughs> Bravo. Okay, who managed Bravo. to sneak Amen out and for the state. Yeah, I think India is the only country in the world where uh, female work participation rate has fallen so dramatically. In fact, I think it's the lowest in the world. Yeah, by twenty twenty, they say it's going to be the lowest in the world, lower than Saudi Arabia. Yeah, already seventeen eighteen. It's already probably the lowest or the lowest two or something like that. Let's just take a moment to let that wash over (laughs) us. Like, it's hard to grapple with, right? Isn't it? I mean, what do we do do with that? Oh, there's a lot which has to be done, a lot which has not been done, and a lot which has been done which takes women away from the workforce. Do, in your your observations, does the time that 
uh, men and women yeah. in India yeah. uh, um, is the time usage different uh, when it comes to dedicated to unpaid work? Very much so. In fact, uh, the calculations which I've done goes, uh, you know, we have the system called time use. All right. Okay. And it's a methodology, use? the time use thing where uh, when you're doing the research, you keep a diary and see what the woman does from five in the morning till 11 at night and what the man does and compare it. And an average is that the women do, I think about the calculation is at least 50% more hmm. than what men do. Hmm. Hmm. Okay? okay. Now, this is counting your paid work, your unpaid work and putting it together. But unpaid work, of course, much, much more which women do than men do because that's your division of labor. Okay, yeah. one no? sec. So, I just want to reiterate that point. So, women, so if it's paid versus unpaid, already women are doing way more. And if you look at just total labor of both, women are doing 50% more. A minimum. At okay. minimum. That is according to the time you study. Do you know, in you fact, know? this was fascinating. You had even brought this up um, in um, the, the panel that I'd seen you at uh, in uh, at uh, the Tata Lit Fest. And uh, the conversation, uh, the question that was asked to somebody on the panel was, uh, does this economic slowdown coincide with the uh, with a global economic slowdown and therefore we shouldn't be as panicky? And so uh, similarly yeah, in this... This foreign hand business, you know, <laughs> this limit. So, I mean, how they don't blame it on Pakistan, I don't understand. That's all they seem to be doing. But how does it compare? How does this uh, the time use and time poverty compare in India to other South Asian countries? Oh, the highest... Of all, it is the highest. Because really? at the national level, your macro, your budget, your investment, what we spend on the social sector is uh, is the lowest. So you see somebody like Bangladesh, yeah. which has overtaken us on reducing poverty levels, mm-hmm. on uh, expectation of life, on literacy, on education. It, the indicators are much, much better than us. Wow. So we are so-called developed because you're... Human Development Index has three indicators. It has education, primary education. Yeah. It has uh, expectation of life, and it has per capita income. Okay, yeah. you take out your Ambani, Adani, and mm. five other people. Yeah, the and you're much, 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 much lower. Mm. In fact, you see whatever reports they are, the reports on um, poverty which have come from India itself, that for the first time in forty-four years, absolute poverty has actually increased. It has actually increased the percentage of people below the poverty line, which itself is 27 rupees a day. I mean, it's like, what, quarter a dollar? Yeah. Has actually gone up in relative terms and in percentage terms. Plus the inequality, which people don't talk about at all, Mm. that today 1% of Indian population own 70% of the assets. We've fallen on Global Hunter Index, we've fallen on the HDI, we've, on everything we've fallen in the last four. Environment, yeah. everywhere we have declined. What is it about India? I mean, you've mentioned context. What is it about India right now that makes it so, I mean, sorry, dismal compared to everybody else? One is the, well, the main thing is the political economy of growth, the okay. way it is done, okay. and the political economy of governance. I think one can't really separate uh, the two. Who governs? What is governed? How is it governed? Are people's issues taken into account? Are they identified? From the way data is coming out right now, I mean, undependable as it is, is that, um, you know, um, a women's uh, women's employment has fallen. Uh, men's employment has also fallen. Uh, and whatever is available in the market is normally prioritized to the men. 
um and even when it comes to losing jobs the women are more dispensable how does that affect um sort of the larger question of women's participation in the workforce what you've asked is really very fundamental so this is a a typical government perspective okay we are we are not able to provide you jobs and it's not only not able we don't want to provide you mm-hmm. because employment is not our priority growth is an inequality without saying that is our priority so therefore here's a bit of money so your monetary policy comes in your mudra loans come in mm-hmm. that kind of stuff here's a bit of money you go and sort out your own lives all right okay. and this kind of what we call the sgs or money which is given to women etc yeah whether it is sustainable economically sustainable or it sustains a woman in her livelihood yeah. in whichever way is only for women because it encourages them to stay within the house and not go into the paid public yeah. what is an SG, market sorry what is what is an sg self help groups acha acha okay so all your loans your micro credit hanji hanji and all that which is given which is worked very well in certain countries so there but here this so there so are the schemes that are in place that are supposed to help women right uh, gain employment gain money are actually just reinforcing the structures that keep them at of home of course it's it's like you stay at home here's the money you stay at home and look after your two goats and your little plot of land or whatever it is another issue of reducing women coming back to what you were saying is to not recognize them as workers at all so you have these insane words which have terms which the government is putting one is i mean i'm just giving examples so a woman is not recognized as a full time worker as a worker forget about a full time worker so there is someone who helps with the livestock policies and schemes of the government that woman is not called a worker she is called a pashu sakhi girl get the hell out of here i mean can you imagine then there are there's this whole thing of privatization of banks and movement of banks outside in the context of supposedly saying that yes uh, uh, you know uh, financial inclusion and all that kind of stuff women and men of course are appointed to go around village to village and say that please open a bank account etc etc they are called bank sakhi okay so there's a animal friend there's a bank friend <laughs> and there's a whole line of them sakhi whole, whole sakhis but not workers workers so you're not recognizing them as workers you're just recognizing them as and they associated term. workers you know Gee, does it is it potential. also to make them more accessible like i know as a uh, 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 man from middle india myself uh, that <laughs> that i would be less uh, i would be less intimidated to send my uh, wife out with a bank sakhi than a bank worker uh you know someone who is a bank agent i would be like nahi but sakhi hai to ha ha jao kuch to bhi kar rahi hogi matlab they'll come skipping back and have candy <laughs> on the way kind of a thing you know but the situation economically is so desperate that even these women they get 1500 rupees a day mm-hmm. uh, sorry a uh, month okay 1500 rupees a month which is i don't know how one calculates it in like 18 dollars maybe no much much 1500 17 yeah yeah we've spoken about the rural structures and place um in 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 the in the corporate structures we have problems like uh, the gender pay gap oh yeah uh, how do you see that playing out uh, in the future and how has it i mean what where are we right now in regards to that um and how do you see it playing out in the future for a corporate uh, for the corporate indian woman 
I think we have to see the different where women come from in that sense. So the corporate, of course, I think we are again one where the boards, the women on the boards, is amongst the lowest. Yeah. The we got a lot of uh, optimistic news today, <laughs> but real news. Yeah. yeah, but it's amongst the lowest. It's not even two percent, three percent, or something like that. It's not there in your parliament. Yeah, Rwanda be- beat Rwanda is the highest in the world. Sixty-eight percent of its parliamentarians are women. Wow, really? Pakistan has more women. They have passed the one-third bill. Maybe one we will go to Pakistan. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it. <laughs> one-third of your legislators are and uh, parliamentarians are women. But we are still arguing after 22 years yeah. of the reservation 33%, bill. 33%, yeah. yeah. So if it is not taken seriously at the top, it's not going to be taken seriously at any other level. So that's why I talk about state silence. It's not silence. It's they couldn't care. They don't see it and they don't want to see it because it doesn't suit their... Yeah, yeah it doesn't suit whatever. And, and different political ideologies. I'm not getting into only one. Secondly, are you treated as an employee or not in the corporate sector? With increasing informalization and contract, you're not a permanent employee. You have a contract for two years, one year, three years, what four years. So, who is defined as your employer? Can you go and take up the issue of sexual harassment? There are many, many, many a huge number of cases, recorded and unrecorded, where every time the woman has taken it up, in ninety percent of the cases, she's the one who's thrown out of the job, or she's not given her. Uh, you see, to be. Very high, up level, economic. Even there, you face a whole lot of contradictions. Yeah. I think you could. They, if we interview even the ten top women industrialists in yeah. the country, it's always this question of how do you life balance? How do you manage? Yeah, yeah. how do you manage the home? How do you manage yeah. the office? And these yeah. women very happy. Oh, but I cook for my husband before I go. <laughs> and when he comes back, I make hot fresh chapatis for him. So that continues. Among the discussions that we've been having, and everything seemed pretty bleak so far. Uh, but one of the discussions we had, somebody, you know, one of the guests said that uh, she was like, the future of work is changing. She said now, um, thanks yes. to the internet, in whatever way, gig you know, economy is what we call Hanji, it. The yeah. gig economy has sort of mm. now taken over, and more women are taking to the gig economy. Uh, then, then uh, men, because men are still stuck in that sort of in the conventional structures of what work is, whereas women are more free to explore and um, you know fit their unpaid labor Absolutely. Uh, into these uh, lives. Um, do you, I mean, it's a new form of home-based work. Yeah, yeah. So either you're making zari and tikka, or making petticoats and pickle and papad, where the poor are concerned, or you're doing computer-based technology, yeah. and the logic is the same. That it does not disturb our housework. It's like some years back, you you know, one of the most fascinating ways to understand the status of women is to go through the matrimonial ads. Tell us All more. Right? Yes. That Hindustan Times of Delhi is my favorite. Okay. So earlier it used to be wanted, uh, and these are words which are coined, teacheress. Okay. <laughs> a woman teacher, a teacheress, because she goes to work at seven in the morning and comes back at 11. Yeah. So, house is maintained as it is maintained. She gets up, gives a dabba, everything. So, she's working for those five hours. But yeah. rest of the time, working in terms of paid employment. Mm. She's free to do her unpaid work. So, here also when you do your gig economy and your technology at home, you're timing yourself when the child is sleeping, yeah. when the mother-in-law is not demanding. You know, 
it's a huge opportunity i totally agree yeah. but it also you link it up with that and you link it up to the fact of informalization of jobs can these women these women have no rights now, and men a yeah. lot of men also yeah. do yeah. yeah so there's no labor legislation which impacts them if there is sexual harassment who is your employer you don't know who's your employer it could be somebody you in washington or wherever it is you don't know who your employer is yeah there are no working hours there is nothing there's no pension there's no profit after so it's a very um you know sporadic there's no security to it your point is a really interesting one also with you know i think we often think of the gig economy as this way of solving a lot of problems that it's flexible work it's work that women can use to balance everything right exactly. but i think what you're asking us to do is look at it in a much more nuanced way yeah which so is it's, that it's, it's reinforcing power so structures so many more women and men are getting employment which is wonderful but also look at the other side there are four labor codes i'm not going to the details one is on wages one is on this that and uh, the other formation of unions first of all in a gig economy or in a informal economy you can't form a union yeah who do you form a union with you don't know who your employer is how do you bargain how do you do everything at all the last one the uh, code number 4 which has come just day before yesterday they've they've announced it and publicized it is the huge restrictions on formation of a union even in formal sector yeah okay? yes so Sanjay. that is uh, one uh, issue the code does not recognize domestic workers as workers all right and that is where the majority of women are employed in urban areas so your maids are not defined as workers also the issue of sex, sexual exploitation has been kept out of the issue of safety of at workplace yeah. all right mm. so when you talk about now the corporate women yeah by law neither a corporate woman nor a construction worker nor a domestic worker can say that this is part of my human right under the conditions of work it's very precarious yeah i'm wondering looking so looking at the big picture when do you see for women this trend turning around oh very soon particularly after the way the women have come out in the last <laughs> month yeah oh hats off to them you're going to see a sea change in everything whether it's employment or education or uh, being you know loud about everything it's it's just breaking i think the huge number of norms and even cultural practices thank you so much for taking the time to thank talk to so us thank you so much no. thanks for her for nagging me <laughs> amen amen i'm very good at nagging i do it professionally actually <laughs> listen if christina didn't nag we wouldn't be sitting here yeah so thank you for nagging christina thank you anytime anytime it is my unpaid labor uh, nagging is unpaid labor yeah it is no it is absolutely yeah. very, very good yeah For today's do one thing, we wanted to ask listeners to keep a diary of how you use your time. From the moment you wake up until you go to sleep at night. Try doing this for 1 week. How much of your time is spent on paid work and how much is spent every day on unpaid work? Things like organizing meals, taking care of others, and making sure everyone gets to where they need to go on time. You just might be surprised with what you find. We'd love to hear from you. Let us know what you found at Women in Labor on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook.
Women in Labor is made by Christina McGilvery, Laura Quinn, Aditi Mittal, Manya Sajdeva, Sonakshi Chowdhury, Nandita Gupta, Sonali Thakkar, Ipti Patnaik, Rose Higgins, Porva Jassi, Regina Hawkins, Kashish Sethi, and Priyanka Verma. This podcast is generously supported by a grant from the American Center New Delhi. The opinions, findings, and conclusions stated are those of women in labor and do not necessarily reflect those of the United States Department of State. For more information on the podcast, visit womeninlabor.com or search Women in Labor on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Thank you.